Russ, I think uh, I think they've outdone us in room coolness. Yeah, it looks like you're at a retail store. That was, was the that idea. was the idea. We yeah. so the shelving. So this is original Tower Records shelving with some Tower Records signage, and then when you're seeing the shelving, it's kind of a mess in here right now, a little bit, but. A lot of this shelving is from actual. Yeah, that's a listening station. Oh yes. Yeah, we got Rastan going, and then, um, and then this is from a record store. So a lot of the record stores and and video stores that would shut down, we would buy out the shelving, and uh, collect the sort of the. Uh, so we've been doing that for years. So. So it's nice. So with all the. Uh, with all the VHS and all the vinyl and everything, we just, it's, it gives a good, you know, yeah. The, the idea is sort of recreating a, a, like kind of a video store or record store. Man, if I, if we only knew each other 10, <laughs> 10 years ago, I, yeah, I, I worked at a video rental me. store oh, you're gonna um, make me cry. in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, and <laughs> it was, it, 2010 is when everything shut down. So yeah, uh, we yeah. went through full liquidation. Wow. And so I managed that branch. It was my first like real job. I dropped out of college to take that job. Wow. And then, which honestly, like, it, I, I, I definitely <laughs> was taking college. Like, well, who are we kidding? Uh, it was for $27,000 a year. So uh, I went through full liquidation. And part of my responsibility was to sell all of the furniture inside the store, including all the shelving, which I uh, sold zero of. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, which I was like, I don't care. But yeah, in retrospect, I was like, man, that could have that could have been of some use. Well, it's funny. We had the foresight a long time when, when Tower, the last Tower Records closed down near us. I tracked I, tra- I tracked down the place that bought the lot and i don't remember how but i somehow tracked them down and then i just said hey i can see that there's a whole bunch of um fixtures and signage can i can i have it buy it and he was like yeah come down with the truck and then i'll make you just bring cash so my brother and I went down and loaded up basically as much as we could carry. And, um, and I just stored it. I was like, one day I'll have space to be able to, to do something with it. And so, yeah, it's, I'm so glad looking back, like just glad that we had the foresight to do that. I well, wish I, I would have known you 10 years ago too. I'm telling you. Yeah. When we, we, we had a tower record that was huge out here in Stonestown. And when they shut down all the shelving, there it was just you know if you take it if you want it. Yeah. And I didn't have a fucking car, so <laughs> I, I remember like begging people to try and help. Oh, oh man, shit. yeah. But also, you know, in the Bay Area, it's it's you're hopping from rental to rental. So I have bookshelves that I've carried home blocks from like you know somebody put out in front of their house, <laughs> and it's only become a burden in the five different rental properties I've bounced around from. And right, right now, I think we got over, oh God, I have over 2,000 Blu-rays right now. And that is like, it's just like moving lead when you have yeah. tubs and tubs of them. Oh, so, yeah. They get, where, it are gets you guys, where are we talking to you guys from right now? We're in Orange, Orange County. County. We're actually, I, I was 
born in the Bay Area, so part of our um, born in Santa Cruz. So we were raised half Santa Cruz, half in Southern California. So in and around Orange County, LA, uh, but we're in Orange County uh, right here. But yeah, we uh, in the many times I've moved, this has all moved uh, with me and. We, yeah, it's been it's nice because we ha- I this is a little back house, so I'm able to now have a spot where we can just write and we can just vibe out, watch watch movies. But yeah, we had to carry it uh, a lot of it in tubs, and it is moving lag. Well, especially because I, I have a decent amount of Blu-rays and DVDs, but I mostly collect original box VHS. So and that's it's it really gets heavy. So this is uh, the room where the Retaliators was uh, conceived therein. It, it yeah. literally in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's appropriate that right behind you, uh, Darren. There's a ten to midnight poster, which I've been looking at <laughs> this whole time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dude. There's, okay. There's... All right. What do we want to yeah. do here? I'm super curious oh, about. I'm curious about y'all because I get fan vibes from you not like oh you know i went to film school and i've been kind of like going to parties in la LA, hoping for my break and i've made a hundred million shorts and we were here i get vibes of like you two are enthusiasts and somebody gave you an opportunity and you just crushed yeah am i yeah how close am i no yeah, we did, yeah, we did pretty, dead, pretty dead on pretty pretty hundred percent neither of us went to film school yeah and we're yeah. we're not film school it's a very hey, life very... is life is a film school you know what i mean like film school's there <laughs> yeah. for the connections really honestly right, yeah you right, know right, the right, disciplines absolutely. and things like you guys go out there and you do it i mean that's what film school is well i didn't yeah. even cut you they look like no, they're no, no, in no. a film school right now with all the memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Life is your film school. <laughs> True. No, we, we were able to cobble together sort of film school uh, in hindsight. Now it's kind of easier to see, oh, okay, this was sort of, uh, you know, it led us into screenwriting. Uh, yeah, we're definitely outside of the sort of um, um, those sort of typical kind of routes in but when i was when i was younger i was an actor uh i was very passionate about acting at a young age studied it for a long time worked here and there but it was all very very little things and and uh, but you know little bit parts and commercials and bad movies and and uh and then uh that sort of morphed into doing music and Jeff and I were in a band and we did that, uh, for a long time through all of that. Um, the first part of my education was the years and years and years of reading scripts because I've read probably hundreds and I did a lot of work on stage, stage two and, and things like that. So that's an incredible perspective to have all of that. it, it, It is because you, most of the scripts I read 90 plus percent were mediocre to terrible. Uh, Very rarely did you read a script and and go, Oh my God, wow, wow, this is amazing. And there were a few, but most of the time you're just like incoherence, you know, it was just like incoherent or just like structurally just terrible. 
just, you know what it was? They were all professionally written because these were professional auditions and I had a, I had decent to good agents, decent to good, all, all good agents, but decent to good agencies. Basically I was going out for sometimes big things and, and many times big things, always professional. It was never about their incoherent sort of things. It was just sort of, this is boring. This is like, okay, I've seen this show a thousand times. Okay, I've seen this movie a billion times. I've sort of, and, and you know, uh, so over the years, I, I got the absolute, I mean, I, I, if I was to give any advice to any screenwriter, it would be read hundreds of scripts, as hard as that would be, as boring as it would be, uh, and, and read bad scripts because it, it's one thing to read the classics. And later we dug into the classics and was like, okay, let's see what, like, okay, let's do William Goldman and let's do all the, you know, Shane Black and let's dig into all the, the, the really, you know, the phenomenal screenwriters. But I had 10 years of basically boring in my brain. So when, when we're writing, everything is merciless hatchet it's get the boring out get the get the same out get the get, you know and, and so it really was extremely helpful and and educational um and so all through the years we just kept we would you know we made short films and, and we're obsessed with films and we just watched endless amounts of movies and we share we always shared a real passion for b cinema and exploitation and you know we, we are we're obsessed with the entire canon film catalog and we've just always been that way as much as we love sort of the the uh, the uh, uh, you know higher quality things you know because we do you know it's like as uh, you know we're we're, we're we, you know, we're obsessed with William Friedkin films and things like that. But then at the same time, you know, we just are, have an absolute true affection for just all things, you know, exploitation and, and be, we're going to go see, we're going to go see Sorcerer tomorrow oh, um, wow. at one of the theaters here in San Francisco. They have never seen uh, Sorcerer. Very oh. excited. to take. Who, who, wait, who has, wait, who hasn't seen it? Russell and Oksana have not has not seen Sorcerer. Uh, are, are, uh, you, are you seeing it on thirty five millimeter or is it like a digital? I think it's know? a digital. Uh, yeah, it didn't say. Yeah, yeah. I, all I can tell you. Okay, restoration. I, I can't even imagine. I, I, like to say jealous of you <laughs> for getting to experience it that way for your first time. I mean, you know, not to overhype, but be prepared like it, to I mean, we've talked about it many times sorcerer may be the best film of all time like i i i just am like we're, we're crazy obsessed with that movie yeah. uh it's up up on the wall up there up in the up in the corner um i don't know if you can see that but yeah we're, we're huge huge sorcerer fans i mean it's just what a fucking movie that is darren you, you did something i think is, that is very important right now. And uh, I, okay, first a little context on why I haven't seen the film before. Oh, no. I, I so I'm, a, again, I collect, right? I have over 2,000. <laughs> me and Oksana have so many DVDs and Blu-rays. I normally buy things based on if they look like their genre and if they're cheap or if it's like 
some highbrow recommendation from Randy or something, but I don't watch <laughs> them. And I hold on to them. And, you know, we have a projector downstairs. And I like to have oh, people wow. come over and, you know, they pull it off the shelf and they're like, dude, this movie's great, huh? And I'm like, I don't know. I never watched it. <laughs> and then, you know, I, the thing is, I like that first experience to be shared. Like, film is such yeah. a communicative thing. Yeah. That, like, so the reason Clark's seen it is because he took the movie off my shelf and watched it alone one day <laughs> when we were out playing D&D. So uh, I, am, I am glad I, I'm going to get to see it at the Alamo. But I'm oh. happy, Darren, it's something that, you know, jaded, elitist horror fans like us can tend to do. When someone's like, oh, I haven't seen that before. You're like, what the fuck have you been doing, dude? I thought you were a horror fan. Like, why haven't you seen <laughs> right. this fucking movie? Hey, I just watched Reanimator last week for the first uh, time. Yeah, yeah so. but I oh, think I the movie. correct way to be is, oh, dude, you're in for a treat. Like, make yeah, it special. Sure. Get ready. Clear your mind. Because everyone's journey is everyone's journey. Yes. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's essentials I haven't seen. We're, we go, we, yeah, we go, we go, we go deep on a lot of like, yeah, we were able, we were riffing fucking Dean Cameron catalog a minute ago. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, yeah, there's essentials that you miss. And, and so, yeah. We, well, and thank goodness. Cause it gives you oh, stuff to watch for your, you know, to get. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like what you said too, about kind of keeping movies for the right time. I mean, what's oh, funny yeah. is I've had movies. Sitting there oh yeah. Yeah. And in the collection and... here, I'll there's, I have at any given time, I don't even know, maybe 20 titles where I'm, where it's either I've never seen it or, it's been a really, really long time and I've completely forgot it. And I love that. I love having yeah. like, Ooh, I'm going to wait on that uh, for the right group to watch it with or the right night. Like you got to be in the right zone, like in the theater for fucking sorcerer. Like, Oh my God, that's, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's amazing. You held out. That's, yeah. that's a lot of restraint. Cause that movie, woo. Yeah. yeah you know, for as, much as we complain about the Bay area, we are pretty lucky with the screenings we get out here. And also, like, oh, yeah. you're yeah. legitimately one of the best theaters in the United States in, that you're going to be able to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not oh. to work. It's a good treatment Man. over there. Yeah. yeah, and you can order a fucking beer, too. <laughs> they, cool. I, yeah. I do like that change in theaters, although I am worried they're going away soon. But everything's going down, but we're going down. Here, here's the, okay, first, so yeah, what yeah. is, uh, I don't know if I missed it, because, again, I was doing push-ups. I'm not joking. Uh, great. I know. I just, I got to get that in there. I'm trying to get Clark on my regiment, but now <laughs> good, good luck. what is the relationship here? Darren, Jeff, are you guys just friends or well, they had the same last name? So no, we're brothers. we're brothers. Yeah. Okay. We're brothers. Brothers. You knew there were brothers. We've dealt with people before. Well, well okay. You can, well, I mean, I thought the way we looked would be a giveaway, but yeah, um, <laughs> we are brothers. We, I'm, so, I'm the little brother. I, I, we're 10 years apart. So Growing up, it was, you know, Darren was sort of like my sensei, my cinema sensei. And, uh, you know, him and all his friends talking movies and stuff. And that's sort of how I got into love and film. We, we have, we grew up in the same house. We have the same mom. We have different dads. So that's why we don't, we don't, we don't look like twins. But I mean, you know, you're around us long enough. You'd, you, you get that we're brothers pretty, pretty yeah, quickly. We actually ended up looking like our dads. So yeah, yeah, I look, yeah, it. I look exactly like my dad, and he looks just like his dad. So we don't, we don't look anything like the mom that we share. But yeah, we grew yeah. up in a big family. There's Huge lots family. seven. It's seven brothers and sisters total. You know, typical American uh, 
broken up family, but we grew up in the same in the same house. So uh, yeah, we grew up watching movies and and hanging out. We were we were very always very close. Yeah, from very early on. But see, I, I'm always big, and Jeff, this is good from from your perspective because I'm I'm. You always need somebody in your life to kind of be that that sherpa of taste and culture. Yeah. And someone Absolutely. to kind of, you know, guide you in. So for for you to have your older brother out there, you know, while you're taking, you know, AP, you know, bio, you know, you've got Darren out there walking the earth, you know, like David Carradine. Yeah. And uh, then he comes yeah. back and, and teaches you the secrets of the universe. Like, that's pretty <laughs> that's, great, man. Yeah, that's how it's always been. You know, I, I you know, uh, yeah, that's a really funny way of putting it. But yeah, I, I would you know, I, I found myself like wherever I was in my life, I, you know, it, where it wasn't in cinema, all I would be doing is talking about cinema. And I'd be like, wow, why am I the only one who knows about cinema around here? You know what I mean? It's well, it's because I'm not in film. And uh, I just, you know, I was basically like, just, I wouldn't say regurgitating, but let's, let's say, you know, I was rehearsing the same kind of conversations we'd have, right? you know, okay. uh, with you and your friends, I'd be bringing that out to the streets and stuff. And you know, that, that's pretty much how it was for like 20 years or something, you know, for most of my life, you know, I only really got into filmmaking and into Hollywood stuff in the last like four years. Um, but it feels like I'm right at home. You know, it's kind of like, why, why didn't I see this before? You know, <laughs> I, no. when did you get into Jerry Rafferty? Jerry Rafferty, that was probably about four years ago. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right down the line, man. Yeah. This sweet I'm, shirt, man. I like thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you noticed like, that. <laughs> I I know things, Dave. That was a secret handshake, and I saw it. Totally and we're, we're connected I, now. That's a serious. That's I, a serious fucking secret I, handshake. I, I, right I felt there. the sax, dude. You know, I... yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Now, when when Darren starts going to auditions, how how did you feel? Like, did you want to jump on that train too, or? Were you kind of like making fun of him because of the quality of movie? No, no. Oh God, no. Well, I have to admit my Darren's being a humble, you know, I really looked up to Darren as, you know, a lot when I was a kid. I mean, still today I, I'd say, but especially when I was a kid, um, you know, I was like 10 years old and he's 20. So he's going yeah. on these auditions for like films and he got me as an extra in a couple of films. I mean, I, I looked at this, like oh, it was God. the golden city going out to LA with my brother and he's like in it, you know? And, and he made some really great, he made some great stuff. I mean, he was in an independent film back in the day. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'll leave it unnamed right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, no, I no, thought it was, on. I thought we it was need to know that film. What was it? Well, we'll give the good name of it, which was Shoeshine Boys. I, yeah, I did. It. it was a very little independent film. Yeah. Uh, but it it did, in its day, it was, you know, it did some, the festival circuit and it had a little bit of a thing going. Um, it was, was kind of cut, yeah. It, yeah, was, it was kind of cut to death uh, and renamed later. But the, in the early versions of it that was doing the festival circuit, it was called Shoeshine Boys. And I'm telling you, I mean, maybe it's just me remembering it this way but i remember just being an amazing film and uh you were rudy ray moore's in it rudy ray moore's in it dude rudy and, ray moore. and, drunk dwarf? and, and you know Come it's on. you know it's funny rudy you know what i was actually on i was a kid i was like 18 i think i was 18 years old here's what's funny here's how back here's how far back my 
love of, of uh, this crazy cinema is the reason Rudy Ray Moore is in that movie is because at 18, I was obsessed with Rudy Ray Moore. I mean, I, I watch disco Godfather all the time. I, I just thought, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 those were just the best. And so because I talked about Rudy Ray Moore all the time and I would show everyone I knew, I'd be like, Holy shit. Have you not seen, you know, whatever Dolomite or what? And I, I'd put it on the, the, he was either the director or the producer as kind of a way to make me laugh and sort of like, they were like, let me see if we can do it. They got Rudy Ray Moore as a cameo in the film. And so it was like, when I met him, oh, I was like, Oh my God, like it was, it was crazy. So, um, and I met him awesome. too. I yeah. just didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, Oh, they're like, <laughs> yeah. cool. Nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got going on this yeah. set. He was cool. He was but they cool. had me, I, I was like 10 years old. They, you guys actually got, gave me a Mohawk. You know, because it made sense in the film. But there <laughs> was a whole thing where I had a mohawk. And they, I still remember my line. It was, they did a close-up of my face. I'm like 10 years old. And I go, I know where my dad keeps his gun and bullets. <laughs> and that was it. And they were Uh-oh. cracking up. I was like, why is this funny? I'm like 8 or 10 years old. Yeah, warp, warping you at a, at a young age. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, it was um, Jeff. It was funny. Jeff would uh, well. Well, not only was Jeff. Yeah, I would bring him to auditions and things like that. But also, <laughs> we would make we would make just the most warped short films and and like <laughs> purely to make our, our. You know, we did it with friends and we would make each other laugh. And Jeff was young, but he would do anything. You know, we could we could put him we could put him in any. situation and and we would i would be shooting something and we would because like like for example we i was doing some it was some like uh it it was like a low budget world war ii thing where we were at this we were on this um i forget what it's called but it's a famous uh outdoor place where they shot like mash and all kinds of 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 different things I i forget and so we would take our, uh, we would come, I would get my friends to be extras, bring my brother, and then we would shoot using all of the, uh, the things. So like we'd be at lunch and then be like, okay, let's go get some shots. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then turn these into like little short films. And, and again, just for our own amusement, but, uh, but in a weird way, it was early days of like, writing and structuring and directing yeah. and and kind of you know and it was all literally just so we could have a party bring friends put it on and make it can we get everybody to cry laughing and that was like the goal and and so it was it was it was funny yeah that's that's still there you yeah. know trying to amuse each other yeah yeah you know? completely yeah. all right well i so- think a, a lot of uh we're filling in the retaliators right now. I know and we're starting to we're starting to get you know the inspiration. It's coming together, and the building know, blocks are being set. Before we move away from uh, Darren's acting career, I do want to say I, I was poking the bear there a little bit because you actually appeared in one of my favorite franchises, which is the Bring It On franchise. <laughs> I don't know. You know it's really he's weird. not lying. I'm not lying. There's a weird like the Venn diagram of franchise horror and like franchise non horror. 
it meets at Bring It On. I don't know why, but there's a lot of horror fans who like that. Well, because wow. like, in well, I think, you know, you guys expressed how you were reading a lot of scripts and people become victims of like just creating boring run of the mill stories. And it's yeah. just like the same shit over and over. And Bring It On has one of the tightest parameters you could have for like a weird kind of like high school teen sports drama. And it's like cheerleading, but like, I don't know. And they stretched it out and you can just see writers trying to figure out something new here. And there's not a lot of avenues <laughs> to explore. And they just like with Friday the 13th, it's like you don't want to change the product, but you right. can't make it exactly the same. So it's like, okay, let's throw in Carrie. You know what I mean? Like you start mixing right. it up. And they totally do that on Bring It On. So again, when I, you know, because as fans, you always pull up the IMDb page. That's the one that I went to. I'm just like, oh, shit, <laughs> on again. Dude, no, so for real, I. I enjoy that franchise. Oh, that's fun. Well, you can watch Bring It On Again. It's funny. I did the first sequel, which is Bring It On Again. Yeah, I think. Bring It On Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. And um, it was so funny because at that time, there was only Bring It On at that time, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, because I was, it's funny, my the role I had originally was actually a bigger role. And at the last second, it changed. And what's funny is I was, as I was going through it, I was so embarrassed just being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing the sequel to Bring It On. And then I was like, well, I remember thinking like, this is going to be such an obscure sequel. It'll come <laughs> out. It, it, no, it, no one will ever even remember that they made a sequel to this movie. And so it'll just, at least, it'll just be kind of like forgotten. And what's so funny is little did I know that it was going to be like number two of God knows how many. And I swear it's like every time for years you go to Target or you go to wherever and it's like, you know, the box set, bring it on. And it's like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. But I mean, it really what's funny is it really has residuals wise. I still get residuals from it. Uh, I mean, it really it is funny how that franchise just really blew up around the world. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the next one had uh, Hayden Pantera in it. So, like, it, it, it was, did. I, yeah, it felt like it was building momentum. And then, like, the yeah. fourth one, the fourth one is like, you know, when you get deep into a franchise and they start getting really weird. Yeah. I believe uh, Bring It On In It to Win It is probably my favorite. When did okay. they go to space? Oh, they, they haven't gone no, to space yet. I think they ran out of money then. All right. <laughs> um, Would you be interested in a, in a Bring It On Smasher? <laughs> oh that's good that is good and i feel like you could pull that you know what's weird we're, we're sitting here making a joke about going to space but there is a fine line and i'm going to segue this back into the retaliator there's oh god i was listening we, we got buddies on another podcast scary thoughts and they were talking about prey the new predator movie mm-hmm. and they were talking about one of the one of the hosts was saying that the bridge too far for him was the mushroom. This hadn't even occurred to me watching the movie, but he was saying, out of given everything, aliens, uh, technology, we have a trophy hunter who's dumbing down his stuff to fight Comanche, right? Whatever. There's spaceships in this movie. The thing that bothered him was that there's a mushroom you can eat that would drop your body temperature rapidly and so quickly that you wouldn't pick up on heat vision. 
And he was like, that was the thing that ruined my immersion, <laughs> which is so nitpicky. Yeah. But a lot of the times people aren't very cognitive of when they're like spending brain power on justifying something. Sure. And I think with your film, you guys have taken so many elements in the retaliators, which is a, how would you sum this up? It's almost like a lifetime drama in the second act. It turns into a procedural. Then it pivots into a Sam Raimi movie. And at no point does the tone get in the way. Like we never trip up. Well, we open as a zombie. Well, we, okay. You know, good. I want to start there. So we open up with a tease. Now you guys right. talked about reading scripts that are boring, right? Right. I hate, Normally, these teases are a warning sign because yeah. it comes from like the school of Hitchcock. Right. And, you know, with the birds, he was like, the birds show up the whole movie because I want to remind the audience they're going to they're going to show up. Don't worry. I remember the birds. And as horror fans, we know you're watching a movie that's called like a shark from Mars. And you're like, I haven't seen a fucking shark in 60 minutes. <laughs> like, did they forget what they quit what, showing me Saturn? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Give me that I'm red I'm tired of looking at Uranus. Give me more <laughs> yeah, And here's the thing. In your film, there's a bold, like, it's it sets a tonal palette. And again, when we reviewed this, I don't know what episode it was. But uh, not only did you guys bring it back, but the whole time I was wondering, how do we even get there? And mm -hmm. I, think, I think they solved another problem, too, which is Chekhov's blank. Right now, <laughs> horror fans, I know you guys know it. Anytime we get like some B-roll of an item that's like a, somebody who's going to die has touched. I remember in one movie, there was a clothes hanger. And somebody in the group we were watching it with went, oh, Chekhov's clothes hanger. And we're yeah. like, shut the fuck up. And then, yeah, somebody got decapitated on the clothes hanger. <laughs> <laughs> I love there's, it. There's, there's film language and it can betray yeah. now. I got to be careful here because we uh, recently we've had a lot of dialogue with somebody who's kind of like new to film and they're always like, well, I saw it coming. And I'm like, well, you're not telling a good story if you don't set it up because then. Yeah. Right. And I, and here's the thing. Yeah. The Chekhov reveal has kind of it's so traditional now that it's almost like you're just waiting for it because, mm -hmm. you know, um, the dialogue with the audience in your movie. It's so smart. And I'm just, do you guys ever sit around and think about that? Like, like, okay, when you write a script, did you write the tease in there? Or is that something that happens after it gets like greenlit? No, yeah, that, that no, was it was, it was in the, and not, and, and here's what's funny. Like, you don't have no idea how, um, how, ha like, just how happy and it, like elated, like, I know I and we feel hearing, especially, people recognizing the intro and you guys calling that out because what's so funny is that I couldn't even tell you how much resistance um, we had uh, people not understand. Well, uh, many things and, and the easier route in making this movie would have been obviously to pick a lane, pick a, pick a tone Oh, yeah. pick something that's familiar and then just make that movie. Right. But that was the, that was the opposite of what we had written. We had written out. Uh, we, so we had people that were like, well, why are you the, the, the uh, those aren't zombies. Why do we have that line? And what's funny is we had multiple people 
that wanted to take that out yeah. that they didn't understand. And we were going, no, 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 that's the point. The point that was the design of the script was same way with the film that you're starting it and you're like, we wanted you to go, Oh, I've seen this movie many times. Uh, so all the tropes are there and it's, they're, we're, they're not, we're not hiding them. It's, it's just, they're, they're right there. Um, and then, and so basically, okay, I'm in some sort of zombie genre. Wait, those aren't zombies. What? And then we cut away from it. And the idea was have you go through at the time, the script, go through the whole script going where the, we're in a family, we're in this drama, we're in this crime thriller where where does this that was that was how on earth are we yeah, bring it back yeah, to that? And, and that's what's fun is waiting to see okay okay how do they bring it back and, and, yeah. and we wanted to stretch that i mean truly yeah. as far as we could it scared a lot of people because they were just like <laughs> what the fuck are people yeah. and yeah we were scared i mean i you know we always it's <clears throat> our reviews were embargoed for 30 days and we ha we had only gotten into one film. We had no idea. I mean, we ended up getting into thirty plus film festivals. We had oh, no yeah. idea, and, and we won awards. I got nominated for a ton, and and we had no idea of any of that. So the very first film festival, which was Fright Fest in London, I mean, I couldn't sleep the night before. And we went out to lunch, and I was like, "Okay, let's remember, you know, we're in horror. We're gonna wake up tomorrow and be eviscerated." <laughs> because you know yeah. and, and no, we, no joke. we literally went to lunch and it was like okay bro we know what we went for yeah and we and what we had said and we still you know it's like look if five people get it five people who are into genre who understand what we tried to do then awesome you know and if we're so used to being that underdog when you love when you grow up loving horror and genre and exploitation it's just it's par for the course yeah that, there are films that we love that we've heard yeah. enough people say it sucks oh or, yeah you know, I, mean, I mean it's like okay well we just have different tastes i mean so. when the, when the hitch the hitcher is in uh my top 10 of all time right right and it was in siskel and ebert's top 10 worst films of the year list in 1986 and it's right. in my top 10 of faith so I, i'm just used to that so uh when we woke up and we got the response. They said, this is the crowd pleaser of the festival. We were just like, holy shit, really? Because we just didn't know if it would land, you know, yeah. uh, because certainly if there is a subversiveness going on the whole time that you either you either get or you you don't get. You know what I mean? Well, are you guys like in a garage? No, we're in here. Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm not, we're on. We're in a podcast. No, no, you're good. Hey, I wanted to tell you that I'm leaving. Okay, love you, buddy. Hey, hi, this Thanks, is my buddy. son here. Hi, hi. Is the Ripper, dude? <laughs> he rips on Axe. Oh, really oh hell yeah! Yeah, he's a he's a mega death head. <laughs> oh dang! <laughs> All right, peace hi. out, bro. Did he enjoy uh, Dave Mustaine on Rogan recently? <laughs> yeah, he loved it. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. what an interview. Anyway, yeah. okay. 
man, there's a lot here. So yeah, yeah. First, you're not going to get, uh, pardon, uh, pardon my choice of words here, but you're not going to get the retaliation from the horror crowd until that first wave comes out and everybody's like, holy shit, this movie that had Papa Roach and Motley Crue attached is actually really good. And then, because here's the thing, horror fans, we're, we're so jaded. And just like you guys were yes. saying, all this, it's all the same shit. And you're like, this is so boring. So you almost mm-hmm. like begrudgingly show up to a film fest and you're like, all right, I hope there's something in here I can talk about. And your film is such a fucking bait and switch. Like, just that opening with the, they're not zombies. That's like, I feel like that might be new to the lexicon. It's almost like Shaun of the Dead when they're like, oh, you don't say the Zed word. Yeah. Right? Because, like, the side guys, yeah. we're all on the same page, but you never really get to hear that articulated in a film. Because most of the people that make these movies aren't enthusiasts. So they don't really have their fingers right. on the pulse, right? And also, this right. country, we're very precious with zombies. Not just our country, though. A lot yeah. zombies Globally, are, zombies yeah. are boring. Thank you. Yeah. But I think that's why that line is, hits so hard. Yeah. Because it's almost like a handshake with the audience where you're like, don't, no, they're not zombies. <laughs> right. It's, it's, this isn't another it's zombie so, it's, movie. It's yeah. so, yeah. what a great way to say it, handshake, because that was when we were arguing. I mean, we were fighting for it. Yeah. And, and we were like, and, and um, that was one of the things we would talk about was this is for the audience that will get it, that are going to understand that if they're, if they're flipping through and they try this movie, that's going to be the thing that will lock a jaded horror person. It is going to be the thing that will go, okay, well, what then wait a minute, what is this? And then hopefully we can sustain to the third act where everything ends up coming into a full, um, uh, uh, you know, a complete full circle and who we really, really have to thank, I mean, for the execution of all of that is uh, Michael Lombardi, uh, the, the star producer. He even directed some scenes as well. He got it from minute one, day one, reading the script. He understood and he really was the guy that just fought all the way uh, to sort of keep that integrity and it was the whole time we would look at each other and go, boy, are we just crazy? Because we would just have people just not with, that didn't have a pulse in the way we have right, right. just going, uh, this, why don't we just make this a thriller, you know, uh, or let's just make this, you know, um, you know, or just horror. Right. Or let's just lose that. Or, or yeah, yeah, like don't don't go full action at the, in the yeah. And, and the, I mean, we yeah. had people go, you know, well, why can't we just make them zombies? Like, is there a right, way we right. can actually <laughs> make that happen? Yeah, and we're yeah, like, yeah. no, that's You're the that's it. the joke of it. You know, it's <laughs> like, how could you create, you know, Evil Dead or or zombies without it being supernatural? You right. know, well stretching you know stretching reality to its obviously to its, <laughs> to its limit to its beyond <laughs> said, its yeah. limits of course but you know that was the fun of it that was yeah. sort of the you know uh you know what made it interesting yeah you know your movie's self-aware in the right way like it's aware that you're doing a mix-up of genres and it's it's really nice because it feels like there's a guiding light in kind of the tone here 
and you really do end up avoiding the mushrooms from prey. At no point in this movie do I feel like, oh, that was too much. And we're doing a lot here. We do a lot. We're, we're doing a lot. And wow, man, that's just, so great to that's hear. That's great to hear. <laughs> you yeah. know, because for us, we didn't think it was in there. But yeah. I kept worrying, like, if people don't get it, they're going to pick on that or they're going to pick on, you know what I mean? And it's just great to hear that. Oh, well, people won't get it, but they're not yeah. the people you're interested in pleasing. Correct. Like, exactly. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, Correct. like you, you really made this movie for people who had seen, you know, they probably have eight streaming services and they check out every new horror movie that pops up and it's kind of more of the same every time. And then, you know, your buddy gets to sneak in the retaliators and you're like, no way. Now, yeah. I, I, I got to give you a shout out. One of our friends um, who's been on the show a bunch, William Spataro, he's a special effects guy and he lives in New Orleans and he's the guy that shows up in like a... Uh, italian horror shirt and everybody on mind you everybody on set for a horror movie will look at him kind of like he's a weirdo for it a big studio film yeah a big studio film and he'll be in there and people will be kind of like what's up with this dude and he's like oh i'm an actual fan i know you guys aren't used to that <laughs> he recommended yeah. now I, I believe you guys got into a film fest out in new orleans and he watched it and he called me that night and was like dude there's this movie he's like there's a movie and it shouldn't be good but it's great <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's got like a guy on the cover with like a, a bat or something. He's like, dude, you would totally overlook it, but you got to watch it. And again, thankfully, uh, this came across us on through a PR thing. And we made a dumb segment about it and it got voted in. But man, you guys are horror fans. But it was billed. It was billed to us. So let's go the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, th so that's the thing. In this show, you know, we talk to independent filmmakers, right? And. Um, you know, we've done the show uh, six years. We've done over 360 episodes. We've talked to over wow. 100 filmmakers. Um, and it's, it's you know, truly the highlight of our life. Um, it's Sad. great. Well, you guys, you guys got more going on. It's the highlight of my life. It's great. It's fun. Um, but with all of that, um, what are we talking about? I don't know. Where track? are you going with that? I don't know. You know how I, I like to you're build. Leading, you're going somewhere to like... To? jaded people and just kind of the same we were talking about how the uh how it was built to you the film how like the how film thank know. you so much and coming yes. through pr yes yeah Ooh, yeah. that was a big build i'll get there thank you so much <laughs> so when we do that um you know a lot of our guests just come naturally we just will you know send emails out um instagram messages just do whatever we can we're very you know grassroots boots on the ground and those oh, yeah. boots are Russian boots worn by Oksana Valeria DeVosaccio. Now, we, we do get some stuff coming in from PR stuff. So, uh, And that is how the Retaliators came on our um, radar. Now, we get a lot of stuff from PR. And the thing is, is that, you know, we, we curate our own show. Like, if we don't want anyone on our show, they're not on our show. It's our show. We do whatever <laughs> we want to do. We get zero money. We do this for fun. It's our <laughs> so the PR stuff, it's like we have to do our homework and we're like, and so, right. you know, we screen a lot of stuff and a, a lot of the movies that we watch come in on screener link. Right. And so it's just a world that we're immersed in. And so when we get these screeners, we really don't know what we're getting in. And so right. when the retaliators happen, now also I will add further content. When I watched the retaliators, I watched it guys. Your movie could not have gone up 
in a worse condition for me in a viewing experience. Uh, I was in a hotel room alone in Phoenix, Arizona with coronavirus night tape. And I had to to watch the film on my laptop because my HDMI cable was in a conference room that had already been packed up because I had contracted coronavirus night. Now. So I had to watch this I'm movie call alone. It that from now on, by the way. I like, I like <laughs> the coronavirus nineteen. Yeah, coronavirus. Yeah. Title of our next film, actually. Keep going. So I had to watch your movie on my laptop, it, which is the worst way to watch a movie. I um, agree. Yeah. Because I didn't have my HDMI cable because they packed up the room because mm-hmm. I had coronavirus. So <laughs> your movie was it had to climb a hill, and Damn. that's why certain things, you know, I. I Watching it downstairs. Now, here at home, you know, yes, I didn't watch Sorcerer the first time in a theater, but we have a small theater here. We have a projector, 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 that's the word, thank you, (laughs) and a giant screen. Like, that's how we watch movies here. So it is a perfect way to soak in a film. That is how we watched it this morning. Took in a little bit of your film. It's better on a projector. I'll say on a laptop, guys. So if you want to make a better laptop movie, you got some work to do. But, uh, We're working on it. Let me, let me jump in there, too, because one of the things about the PR people is it's a different thing. The PR. When we get PR people, like guests on the Could show. Could you sound more derogatory right now? Well, no. Here's the thing. But like when we reach out through Instagram, it's kind of like, hey, please spend some time with us. Uh, we're excited about your movie. When we get right. stuff through PR people, like... We fucking like I mean I still work in a warehouse. So my my responsibility I feel like is to the PR person where I'm like, hey, you're in good hands. We're not gonna like I can't imagine what it's like to blindly send your actor out to do interviews with random podcasts. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. So I'm just my goal is with them and I'm like, don't worry, they're in good hands. We're gonna make sure we want them to have fun. We'd like to stand out because I'm sure they're doing a gauntlet of this shit. And most of the time it can be kind of boring or like dated or right. just kind of placid. And we have right. no interest in doing the regular run through of questions. Yeah. Well, we right. break through. So your film got paired with us uh, just randomly at the same time. And the retaliators got billed to us as the Papa Roach movie. That's <laughs> yeah, great. And it was, it. it was up again, <laughs> Spider One's movie that was coming out on Shudder at the same time allegoria so it, it became yeah. power man 5000 versus yeah. papa roach the battle of the bands papa roach wins every time by the way we know that all right i mean so how did you guys get connected with this weird network of like bands like motley crew five finger death punch um the it's it's yeah, it's, kind of a it's a crazy story. story so i was talking um i was talking about michael lombardi so when the film it was fantastic the, thank you yeah thank you we, we thank we thank you for him uh yeah we're so proud of just him and his and the work he did in the film yeah. um uh so when we when we first finished the script we had we put it up on the blacklist and we um, uh we immediately started getting uh response to our complete you know surprise and we started getting offers to option the script within weeks of putting it up there and we 
uh, so we were in kind of this like like just total whirlwind when Michael, uh, who was someone I had worked with in the past and I knew, uh, randomly called me as we were driving to a meeting to to talk about um, optioning the, the script. Told him what we were working on. He said, oh, send it to me right now. I sent it to him. He was literally on a plane three days later. He lives in the East Coast and he flew flew here. He said over the phone, he said, do not option this to anybody. Um, let's talk. And we were like, okay, you know. And so we he came in and he basically was like, look, I will go to Helen back whatever it takes to get this movie made. Um, I, you know, the second we saw him in person after writing the script, we were like, Oh my gosh, you know, Jeff's first words were, well, I'm looking at John Bishop right now. And he was just like, I'm, I was born to play this role. And, um, yeah, to me, sorry, I need to get a cord here. Otherwise this is going to die. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, um, so we, early on made a partnership with Michael and a deal with the devil. Uh, <laughs> right the yeah. some, some, would call, some would call it Faustian. Uh, we, we drew a pentagram on yeah. the, on the floor and uh, seanced. Uh, yes. Uh, so he, uh, it was the best decision we ever made was to partner with him and start this journey with him because in just so many endless ways, he, got the film made and then took us through very, very rocky times through uh, COVID. We were a couple weeks into shooting uh, when it was m the third week of March of 2020. And um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we shot the majority of the film, uh, by far the majority of the film, all through the early treacherous days of early pandemic. So it was the as Herculean of a, of a, of a accomplishment as you could ever imagine. That's why there were multiple directors. We shot on multiple coasts. We lost cast. We then got cast back. We were shut down multiple times. COVID tests were tens of thousands of dollars. It was just, it was just pure insanity. Um, but uh, how the bands happened, uh, that is thanks to a man named, Alan Kovac. So Michael, the first place he took the script to was Alan Kovac. And Alan is a uh, CEO and founder of Better Noise Music. Yeah, world world renowned music manager uh, and, you know, owns a label, manages bands, but he goes back to the class. I mean, oh, yeah, back to the, you know, you're talking Bee Gees, Bee Gees yeah. and Blondie and up to Duran Duran. Um, Jerry Molly, Rafferty. Jared Rafferty, yeah, John you know. Denver. No, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so anyway, so what the weird sort of timing of it was he had produced the movie, the dirt, uh, which oh, yeah. was, which a big hit on Netflix and what he wanted to do, he was looking for a script where he could do a huge rock soundtrack and ideally um, place some of his artists 
as cameos in different parts. And when he was brought the retaliators, obviously knowing it after seeing the film, there is such a sort of sort of collection of murderers row bad guys that come in and out throughout the film um, that it lends itself to, well, if you needed to figure out a way to, to get these guys in these roles, there's an opportunity there. And what was amazing was we took that very seriously. So once that became the, the goal, um, uh, Michael, us, we, talk to the artists. We, we made sure the artists had the right roles for them. Um, they took it really seriously. Oh, yeah. Uh, now some of them are, are just a, a walk, quick. walk on yeah, yeah. quick, but, but like, but like Jacoby, Jacoby yeah. Shaddix. I remember, uh, I would always make Michael laugh because I would, we would do readings of the script and I would always take the Quinn Brady role. And because I knew it would make Michael laugh and he would just die. Laugh. And he was always like, dude, we should almost put Jeffrey in the movie as Quinn Brady. Like I was kind of half joking. And so I was like, well, you know, what? whoever gets Quinn Brady better do this justice, man. You know what I mean? If, <laughs> if I could have gone in there and done it, you know what I mean? And we didn't do that. You know, I, I would have been way cheaper, you know, and uh, we would have had a better part in the, I remember the first time you, sh I watched Jacoby Shaddix do Quinn Brady. Dude, it is my favorite. Yeah, I, mean, it, it, I was like, not dude, not to I, not to not to spoil amazing. it, but it's the scene where he knocks on the door <laughs> and, and uh, she says, "Are you looking for Jed?" And he says, "No, I'm looking for you." Um, that's the line he's talking about. And what we knew was that needed to. Be, I mean, like, there's so many lines actually in the movie. So many ways you could make that. That line if it's on the line of yeah. if the acting wasn't there, it would not work yeah. and and i think michael had one of the toughest tight ropes to walk because he had to be such an earnest character that you just bought into right away or it could just it, the, the nothing would have stood around him um but yeah so we got and then like with five finger death punch same thing oh, i mean yeah. they yeah, yeah. they you know they just took it very seriously yeah. and they worked and, and it was it was watching it and seeing that it was all working, like we were just so thrilled because, and that was sort of just the, that vision everyone had. Let's really take this seriously. We don't want this to look like a vanity project. I mean, that was our right. big thing was yeah. this cannot feel like just shitty, like basically musicians being put in who don't know how to act. And you just go, Oh, I, I, I know why they're in here. Cause they can't be because they're good. Yeah, sure. you know, yep. and when, we, when I remember when we were watching early cuts of it and stuff, it was like, dude, they're really good. Like, yeah, we, yeah. this is it works. Yeah, you know, and that I was, you know, that felt really good that we had. I felt like we accomplished that. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's so weird how was it wasn't Iggy Pop in a horror movie recently, and it's just oh, like you know, it's almost like the gravity of the celebrity. It just sucks all the attention out of the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it really makes sense to me that you have a strong script here, and then you know we add in the musician, because you're totally right. The fear there is that it's like, hey, we've got we got Billy Idol today. It's his movie, right. and right. it just it's almost like the Arnold effect, where it's kind of like whatever the movie was, it's going to shift. And I I was curious now, in the beginning of the film, when we're at church, we have that band play. 
Now, was that written in the script prior to the bands, or did you do that to kind of set, to help balance the tone? So here's what's funny: was the the, that that scene is funny. Uh, Funny you point that out. It was written. So one of the things that one of the ways we described John Bishop in the script was we said he's a, a. this was describing him at, at his church at, and with his congregation. It said he's a rock star in his community. That was written in this, in the, in the script that he just was this, you know, he was the guy who was probably coaching all the teams, giving advice to couples, like sort of after yeah. w- one way we kind of saw him was he lost his wife. And so he sort of pours himself into his kids, into his community and really just, truly tries to just be a good man and 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 is that sort of Jimmy Stewart kind of Capra-esque kind of you know uh ideal you know that was sort of sort of what we were going for so what's funny is we had a band that he was so we we saw him as this uh that was another funny thing too is along the way had people go well I think it should be this he put him in robes and it should be this very catholic and very we're like no 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 yeah. this guy so one of the things we fought for oh, was that he was like a, yep. you know, a guy in with the kids. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and <laughs> so the, the idea always was that there was a band. Now we wouldn't have thought that it would be, you know, it ended up being from ashes to new, which is a, uh, you know, a big, uh, a, a big, a big, you know, popular rock band. Right. Right. So we never would have thought that it would have been sort of as extreme as it was. And that, you know, <laughs> We were, we really battled with that scene to, we cut it down. We made sure it was really quick because we knew at that stage of the film, you were going to feel like, well, wait a minute. Is this a, is this a lifetime movie? Am I just watching some, you know, uh, uh, because there's a, there's a corniness that, you know, one of the ways we always described it was like, the beginning of gremlins, you know, that Capra esque, you know, and the way that that sort of translates, translates when you're, you know, it's, it's this sort of, you know, like if you're doing it at modern times, it's that lifetime, everything is perfect kind of environment. And so we knew there was a, there was a cheesiness there. And so it was a matter of kind of keeping it like, okay, how do we, we again, it was like, there was so many tight ropes throughout where it was like, we don't want to lose the audience because we knew we know where it's going. We know the yeah. insanity, but we know that a fresh audience isn't going to necessarily know. Um, and so it was all, exactly. yeah, it was all. You got to balance the flavors, man, because like, exactly, yeah. you know, you know what's happening at the end. So like right. we do right. need, we do need that sort of, you know, melodramatic, whatever, you know, cheesiness, whatever you want to throw out there. You need yeah. that for the balance. And that's where, that's where the retaliators caught me off guard uh, is because we we got all of that. We were hitting all of these notes. And again, we don't guys, I want to be very clear. We don't hit all these notes on a lot of screeners. All right. In the screener PR lifestyle, we miss a lot well, of notes. You know, the thing that I thought was very important about that scene was when the band's done playing and we're kind of introduced to what is probably one of the best ways to juxtapose where we end up in this movie, like a brightly lit like church with like a bunch of, uh, I don't know, almost like 
on drugs, happy kind of people. Like everybody oh, in there. Yeah. Like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's it's like, Jesus, it's like, here's the thing. Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I get what you guys were saying. We we feel like we're Icarus and we're flying too close to the sun and we're about to hit lifetime. And then right. you, have that, you have that beautiful line that is, Hey, how great was that? And next week I might show up with some blue in my hair. Yeah. Then, right. Yeah. That's it though. Because right there I'm like, Oh shit. The movie's aware. Like, yep. you know, normally yeah. when we watch this, they don't get how weird, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally. Like in the modern world, if we're watching a movie called The Retaliators, where we just were in on a line about how they're not zombies, and then dude gets dragged under a car, we're not going to understand what the inside of like a church probably looks like, especially like right. a modern yeah. kind of like ceremony. So right. for me, I felt like, oh, no, no, I'm still, these are the same guys that made that earlier thing. But I'm also right. curious. The movie's got such a musical element at this point. Did, yeah. did yeah. you have to alter lines there? Like what? Like as screenplay writers, you guys seem like you were pretty hands-on throughout the making, like the filming. Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah. Or was yeah. there pressure to write into there? Like, okay, somewhere we have to put suffocation, no breathing. No, no. <laughs> they, uh, they, they really let us. I mean, I, I would have written that actually in retrospect. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, a little more Papa Roach. Lyrics, yeah, no. But, uh, l- l- <laughs> if we knew, you know. luckily we, you know, we wanted to really treat the the musical part, like I said, really seriously, and treat them like our goal was that if you had never seen uh, as popular as Five Finger Death Punch and 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 Papa Roach are. Certainly, there's people that don't know what they look like. Right. We, we wanted people who did not know what they look like to have no question about who was in a band, who was not in a band. Right. They were just cast for that role. Exactly. Uh, that was the goal. And and so, no, we weren't for there was nothing that changed the right. You know, what's so funny is what we would get um, uh even early on when we got reviews of the script, we would get coverage. And what, what's so funny is, and this is obviously way before any of these bands or connections with these bands, we would get a lot of comments. Like we had one person say, this was someone who was interested in optioning the film. He goes, I handed this script over to my boss and said, if you ever wanted to read a script that was metal as fuck, it's this script. Yeah. And there was no music in no it. Music. There was no music. There was and, no like, hey, this song plays no, here. No, and, 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 like and then, yeah. And then we had another coverage that said it. the third act feels like the birth of, oh, what is it? Birth of metal or the birth of, of, right. of whatever. And, yeah. And, and it's Here's the way. It blossoms into the third act. Well, it goes That's into. we always looked well, at it. Like it grows into it. It doesn't. You well, know, and the third act is. Even as in this so its like script that. form, it's it's pure mayhem. It's for, even more insane in the, the original script. The, the original and believe, yeah, believe it or we not, had to lose this shot. Oh no, I no, was we, talking about this one because Darren brought this to me, and I was like, "This is genius." <laughs> so he goes, "Dude, we're gonna have Michael take two heads of of stuff." No, it wasn't Michael. Was it? it oh, was it? It was Ram. It was Ram. It was Sorry. Ram. Yeah, and he takes two of the heads and puts them on the motorcycle handles and then goes off. Yeah. No, like, we had, we, I, was, I was a little disappointed. We couldn't yeah, do that. We had our shit got oh, so, man. our shit got so Mad Max crazy. Like yeah. in the third act that people were really <laughs> it's actually dialed down a little bit. It's dialed down, believe it or not. Uh, and, and, and we, 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 it was funny how people had a musical 
connection to yeah, it. It's weird yeah. because it's certainly there was obviously there's no soundtrack when you're reading a script, but I think just because of the that one of the things well, we that had, well we did have a boom didn't we we in the original well, we there had was a, a thing with a boom we box, had a boom box and there was chainsaw thing <laughs> there was some we couldn't work in so I mean yeah so the bottom the so. bottom line is we just I think one of the ways we write action is very rapid fire like we yeah. really pride ourselves in lean the script with all the storylines and the characters and the timelines it's ninety page script. So we, we try to write very, very lean and very, uh, I mean, we're merciless about cut, 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 lose that line, lose that line, lose that anything. And so there's a pace. Can't be precious, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we really try to pace our scripts to where you can't, I mean, the goal is you just cannot put it down. That's the goal we shoot for. If it's your gig, right? If it's your, if it's your taste. If you don't like exploitation or grindhouse cinema. If you're not it. Yeah. If it's not your flavor, then I'm sure it would repulse uh, some or most, but. Well, here, here's the thing. So I've talked a lot about like metal in horror movies. And I usually think like hard rock, heavy metal, especially like grindcore, death metal, thrash, anything. Right. You know, the fucking metal fans were just as annoying with our genres, too. Yeah. Totally. So you totally. end up parsing things. Like, if somebody's wearing a band shirt, but you're like, dude, they're playing a cannabis corpse right now. They would never be wearing a rat shirt. Like, you know, right, you can get right, right. stupid shit like that, too. Yeah, of course. And the thing is, man, normally it's exploitation. Like, normally, I mean, as a metal fan, I like black roses where we're almost making fun of the genre like we're making fun of heavy metal but in your movie i don't know i don't know how you made like the son of anarchy aesthetic kind of work like it just works for the fucking film the son of anarchy aesthetic. there's a a couple of things that i think really back that up one who knew i mean uh we've hung out with you guys for a minute now and i don't you don't strike me as a religious uh couple of brothers yet you made your protagonist have one of the most meaningful like struggles with his moral code that I think I've seen in a long time. Well, the death of a child would do a lot to one. And it would, and you would think that it would let, that would be a good reason to uh, forego all of your moral code. Or double down. I don't know. I, and I think. Oh, live t- spend some time in the South, brother. Okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. I can, I can show you a new world. Okay. Now, Here's an interesting choice. The movie lets us know twice that we're in New Jersey. I almost feel like you could have left that out and it could have been anywhere America. Or yeah, like right. New Jersey is anywhere America, I'm, I'm dude. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Have you seen Bruce Springsteen recently? I, well, I'm he looks like Woody Allen. If there's some, what has happened? Is there something in New Jersey that made it like very important to be anchored there? You know, we... Sh- the there's a it's funny the the new jersey the film was shot in new jersey a lot of most of it a lot of it we ended up again because of covid we shot some in jersey some in connecticut then we shot in vegas we shot um in la you know what's funny is and it part partly growing up out here um and, and and watching every movie, you know, watching just tons and tons of movies and lots of low budget. There's an annoying, there's an annoyance I have with, um, there's, there's an annoyance I have with, 
movies shot in LA uh, that are obviously shot in LA. And I understand it's out of convenience because it's where a lot of movies get made. Uh, but there's, so when movies feel like they're shot on the, on, uh, in Southern California, for whatever reason, I don't like it. I, I just yeah. feel like it's it. just, yeah. it's just, we've seen these streets so many times. We've seen these neighborhoods. Uh, now that being said, obviously there are absolute exceptions. We're enormous Michael Mann fans. So like, I mean, LA and heat, I mean, good guys, you heat. know, you know, things, you know, uh, well, I love Chicago. Uh, like collateral. What's up? Or collateral, you know, Michael, yeah. man, that's, yeah, it's great. Another, another one. So I really for like the East coast aesthetic in a, in a movie sure. for whatever reason, I just, I think it's, you know, I don't know, architecture over there. Everything's just older. There's more, there's just a more rich, more rich, I guess, quality, visually so uh, but I agree with you you know when we wrote it we kind of bounced around we, we really looked at it as anywhere USA yeah. we, we really didn't, we didn't have a uh, but be, but once we knew the film was going to be made there we were excited about um, we, that was exci- very exciting to us just yeah. to have a fresh a f- totally fresh look and something that just didn't feel like we were up in Big Bear you know because yeah. that's the thing yeah. it's like love Love Big Bear, right? Go there with the family. Love it. I hate when I'm watching a movie and it's like, you know, they're, they're supposed to be deep in, in in the Appalachian Mountains. And it's like, your guys are in fucking Big Bear. I can see you're in, big, you know, and I get it. I understand how tough it can be, but like, fuck, cheat it somehow. Figure out. Vacation. What's that? But for the paying for the movie ticket, we're paying for your vacation right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not the real place. Sort exactly. Yeah, no, I well, have it, it is far, and, and as no. far as the re- the religious element goes, you know, something that was really important to us was, and again, this just has to do with an aesthetic choice for what our taste is and what we enjoy. But you know, we really did not want to, uh, on any level, telegraph uh, any kind of message. Um, uh, uh, to the audience, you know, right. we really wanted to, I, you know, I, we really wanted to construct, uh, do our very best to construct a ride and, 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 and try to create surprises and, and try to get you emotionally invested even. And that being said, the moral, the moral, dilemma part of it, you know, we, we wanted to just really, um, show the different choices and the different extremes of choices. They both suffer greatly for, uh, you know, both characters in the film, they sort of mirror each other, Jed and, and Bishop, and then they, they both go very different ways and they both suffer in different ways. Um, but yeah, we didn't want to, uh, you know, we didn't want to telegraph personal, you know, religious beliefs or or personal moral code ethics at, yeah. at the crowd. You know, we just were like, let's let's make it agonizing. What's the most agonized? Who's the most agonizing figure we could put into that situation? It would be a a truly peaceful, you know, turn the other cheek 
pastor, you know, what, what's more of a stretch. And that just felt dramatically like, wow, that's, uh, that's who would be, I mean, that would be the, the, as a character, the, uh, the, the most agonizing to have to kind of go through that. You know, we just thought that would be interesting. Okay. Now you guys have such a thoughtful script and we're talking about religion, but he's also a dad. And uh, after one of my favorite lifetime moments in your movie, the bully at the uh, Christmas tree lot, man, like that's one of those moments where you're just like, holy shit, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. Um, (laughs) Who played the bully? Yeah, I know there's got to be something. It's Brian O'Halloran from Clerks. Okay. That God, he felt like that felt like a real situation. (laughs) Like that guy was completely unjustified, but just his look and everything. Yeah. you gave your audience uh, some PTSD there. I'm sure we could all call back to a moment like that. Now yeah, the way that yeah, we... yeah. No, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Um, now it's interesting because you're like, where are we building here? And we get this like, we get the moral code, and you know, he brings it to church, and you're like, okay, well, he's using these real life situations, and his daughters are kind of like in a backseat. So when there's a dilemma about his daughter going to a party, this is one of those moments where every horror fan knows, okay, he's going to let his guard down for a moment. She's going to go out there. It's going to be a bad experience and he's going to regret it. And this is going to kick off the movie, except something interesting happened here. And you had her encounter the, uh, the villain, um, uh, steroid, Michael Berryman, who, uh, (laughs) Fantastic. Um, is his name Ram or is that Ram? Ram Katie. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Ram Katie, this character. Now, you know what? Let me stop there. Now, the treatment of the villain is a hard thing to do. And on this show, I often cry about villains who the writers want to make them sadistic. So we get these kind of the God, the visual image I like to paint. If you have a couple of guys on a beach, it's very sunny. And there are two people talking about the evil plot. But there's a third guy who's holding an umbrella, right? Now, he's keeping the sun out of the other two. He trips. The sun hits him briefly. Well, the sadistic villain shoots him now. And it's like, this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. This is the lamest, worst way to tell a story ever. I didn't know you were a fan of James Bond. Dude, right? But that's what I'm saying. It's like, whoa, he's so evil. He shot the umbrella guy. Yeah. Where in your movie, you have a drug deal go down. But the guy, the, the, the shady, drug-addled dude who you know you shouldn't touch, or you shouldn't trust this guy, you shouldn't be meeting with him, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and he, he is one of the most foul people ever, but he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. So he shows up. Now, this changes everything. And also, this is Chekhov's compound fracture. <laughs> 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 yes, Chekhov's wheelchair, yeah. yes. No, but here, here's the thing. Like, he's a dick. He's clearly a bad guy. If he yeah, were, yeah. he would be the guy that caught a stray bullet that you know Rambo tripped and like his gun went wild. He's just, <laughs> he's dead. You yeah. know it already. Yet when yeah, he runs, yeah. when he runs into fucking Ram out here, you're like, well, what's the play? Like, what's the angle here? And uh, he just brutally murders him. And because he's in a wheelchair, and because of the level of violence. It really does what they try to do with the umbrella. And you're like, oh, this guy's fucked up. But I felt like the icing on the cake 
was him at the gas station checking out the 17-year-old girl. Mm. Because normally there's such yeah. a distance between uh, Bond's villain yeah. and, like, just being a scumbag. Like, right. You know, and then that switch clicks very quickly. Yeah, well, there's something that is articulated with him just looking up and down at his 17-year-old mm. girl that you you already knew he was a piece of shit. I mean, he... he he killed a dude in a wheelchair and not uh, to be clear out. the guy did not die uh, okay fair thank but you so he, much he should have it would have been better for well him. you know he did get his teeth knocked out on a muffler and here's here's the thing <laughs> which like, was great job by the way guys that was uh very good right i enjoyed that thank, well, you. thank you again like we're only in the second act and here. The, 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 i also want to say um the effects in this were fantastic and you know um, you know, you can write some creative death scenes, right? But then you get there and the budget is just not there to, to execute these things. Or you get there and the, the talent you, that you hired, you know, maybe it didn't, it wasn't, it, you couldn't complete the vision you want. I feel like that you guys got everything out of you wanted in your script uh, from the special yeah. effects side of things. Because there was, and I said this in the original review, um, there was no corner cutting in this, and that goes a long way. And I just yeah. want to kind of like hear from you guys of like, you know, just kind of your appreciation <laughs> from that side of things that like, you know, oh, hey, this kind of worked yeah. out. I mean, that was the, I mean, not, uh, I mean, uh, well, to do it, I mean, fuck it. I mean, Michael Lombardi was really the one who led the charge so that we no corners were getting cut. You know what I mean? Because I think the temptation is for a lot of people making these kinds of movies is to cut some corners, is to kind of be like, well, no, that's good enough. And we were just like, no, this has to be as good as we yeah. possibly can do yeah. with the resources we have. Because yeah, it'll never be perfect. You know what I mean? You can't expect that. But if you can just put your best foot forward on everything and not half-ass it and not settle for that, you know, that's what this was. And that's what Michael really helped us sustain through his it production. It pays off in dividends. And and yeah. Al, Al and a uh, big credit yeah. to Alan too because you know yeah, having some, having someone who the one who's backing you financially understand you know that the quality of that kind of thing is so important and it's worth the investment you know yeah. I mean it, same thing with the fight scenes you know they were very you know we spent a lot of time choreographing we spent a lot of time on all of the gags and and i mean and we i mean yeah. and we you this know on a quick buck film it, it, it I mean? was all very <laughs> yeah i mean it was all just very very methodically talked out and and we would take what we did in the script there's always a reality of what you write versus what you can shoot and then we would take that and go okay how do we need to adjust but we worked through all of it and yeah, we were so proud of just all of the, you know, and, and all of those, uh, I, I, I love, it's so interesting that you went, that you jumped from the moment of the Christmas tree lot to him eyeing up the girl, uh, the 17 year old, you know, what both of those moments were, uh, from the writing standpoint were moments of, and this is sort of where I think, you know, from again, reading many, many, many scripts where I feel like a lot of scripts would always kind of fail is like, take you to that uncomfortable place. What would be uncomfortable? The, you, you have a tendency when you write for your protagonist to write 
for your thinking of yourself on a subconscious level and you don't want to embarrass yourself. Right. And you don't want to take these people, these characters into uh, places that feel kind of just uncomfortable. And that moment in the Christmas tree lot was like, how, what would be the, at its most uncomfortable getting knocked literally to the ground. uh, But you still stay as, as this affable person and, and, and walk through it. The moment at the, at the gas station that was written in the script, because we just thought what would make, it's already an uncomfortable moment. We know there's a body in the trunk. We know she's out vulnerable. The the audience is going to be seeing this coming. What would take it to that next level of uncomfortable? And it was, oh, let's have him leer and look at her and and check her out. It's just going to suggest so much more than, you know, we don't ever see anything come of that. But the danger now just feels like it goes like this in that moment. So uh, it was cool that you, you picked those out. Those were definitely that was very purposeful. Well, it's funny. I, you know, I really wanted to hear you talk about it because the other thing you're doing is in the modern age, everybody's riddled with anxiety. And in those, both those moments, I think you're really illustrating a moment that people would be anxious about. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit, that dude took my uh, tree. And then, you know, or it's before you even go to the lot. This is kind of like what your mind might paint. Like, Oh, what if there's a, a tree lot bully who steals my tree? Or, you know, go to the gas station. It's like, oh, somebody's checking out my daughter. And, you know, I, right. I brought that up originally. I know we've kept you here too long. So I'm going to try and wrap this up. But I, I need to give you guys your flowers because I, I love the script writing here. And in these films that kind of end up on Amazon Prime and people watch them and they just kind of show up to the party and it washes over them. I I love when you can just peel it away and everything seems to be crafted to tell one succinct story and the point i was trying to make earlier about her running into trouble on the way to the party was that you didn't undermine her dad there because there's this whole like if you want to break everything down into a message him being maybe an overbearing father could come from losing his wife so you know he gives her he gives her an opportunity and if she would have made it to the party and on the way home was like drunk and got into a fight with her boyfriend and was left on the side of the road and then was picked up, you validate him being like a helicopter parent. Right, but right. But because he gave her an opportunity and it happened at the gas station, this could have happened anytime. So there's right. only anywhere in USA. Well, at any gas right, station. Right. And, yeah. But then, you know, it turns into a sense of like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have been so protective of her. And I, I could have let her go because, you know, I know it's just it's important, especially yeah. when you got like a religious guy, because instantly I'm sure most of the modern okay. filmgoers are going to want to turn well, on. Well, Russell, him. I think your you, your biggest flaw here, if if I may, yeah, um, which is not your ensemble today. You look great. You know, I'm I'm glad the hat is back. Thank you, um, guys. He wasn't wearing his hat for a couple of weeks. It was very distressing. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing you keep referring to him as a religious a reli- man. protagonist and that that's fine because i and i just want to and i think this this sort of mirrors you know the story a little bit more he's more of a man of faith russell what's, what's than, the than distinction it, oh i don't have the time or the energy oh, but <laughs> you know that's the thing is you know it's again coming from the you know the um, evangelical South. All the right? Bible as, Belt? As a, 
as for coming from the Bible Belt, there you go. as a recovering Protestant. Mm-hmm. All right, um, <laughs> you know my 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 Christianity is in remission. Uh, you know it may pop, it may flare back up again. I don't know, guys. It may come back, but it's they say that it's a it's a relationship, not a religion. Okay, and I think this guy would kind of fall into that, and I think faith has a big part of it. More so than, you know, like you said, you know, it, it's not the the uh, claustrophobic, stuffy Catholicism. All right. You know, right, we got, right. you know, we got blue hair down there playing the snare drums. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. we got a lot of things going on here. So that, that's I, yeah. going on. Yeah. See, I, I have been summoned forth by the audience of America. So I'm the one I'm the champion they've brought out to argue for them. And I think you end up with the conjuring effect. Where you get like, I mean, we're out here in the Godless Bay area. So, I mean, we went out there and people were like, oh, dude, our leads are like Bible thumpers. And it's like, you really got to uh, almost like defend that. And it's yeah. like, so when you're protagonist, and when you have your protagonist uh, kind of dismissing what I, you know, my role models growing up were Arnold, right? This is why I like to lift weights. And t- to what end? I don't know. But in the movie, y'all have a literal line where it's like, She's like, Dad, you watch like Die Hard every day. And he's like, <laughs> you're like, what do you want me to do? And it's almost like we're watching a genre film where our protagonist takes a active role against what those other movies are telling you, which right. in the audience is a that's a warning shot because we're like, wait, we're following around a dude who won't beat up the tree lot bully. Like, what are we? Where are we going? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. You, you guys play with this nuance, and uh, thankfully we, you know, transition to the muffler dude who's getting beat up. But the muffler. I don't know, man. Uh, just so you guys know, I have a extensive amount of notes that are all on brief moments in your movie, lines of dialogue, oh, choices dude, you made. Because what you know, we got to let you guys go. And I, uh, for people listening, I just want to say there's there's a lot. There's a lot of thought put into everything here and the shifts and the, the labyrinth we're running through. It's just, it's, it's so masterfully crafted. And I, I love that you With guys, plenty of corners. I, I love plenty how, of corners. how you guys are enthusiasts okay. too, because it, it makes it feel like, Oh shit. You know, there is some validation to being a fan here and you guys might yeah. even be better at writing these scripts than, you know, whatever uh, colleges are churning out. Trying to rewrite right, the new right. Citizen Kane. <laughs> well, what I got into Hollywood. Well, get, well, get well, just a quick little thing. I think what, what the thing I was most struck by getting into film uh, in like the last four, four years, at least professionally, was that there it's not composed entirely of enthusiasts. You know what no. I mean? I would meet a no. director or something and be like, hey, you know, this movie, or that? they're like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Who? You know, like J. Lee Thompson? Yeah. I, uh, it, you know, it, it's it, like, it, oh, okay. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's true. You, you, uh, but it feels, uh, yeah, you know, you have no idea how much uh, validation it brings just hearing that because oh, we, no. we, it's so funny. That's really all we had in mind was, you know, again, taking it back to that lunch where we went, look, if there's anybody into genre cinema that could give the movie a shot and we could connect with, like, that's all that matters. And, 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 uh, and so just having, you know, landing that and having people actually get it, um, 
you know, and, and enjoy, enjoy it. It it means the world, you know, uh, I'd love to, love to hear those notes. Yeah, me too. I, uh, God, I was really tempted. I was like, I could, we could probably just hold you guys here for another half hour and I could ask you about everything. How about you just email them the notes? Well, well, even, okay. email notes, we'll, we're happy to look at them. And- hey, well, <laughs> next time y'all make a fucking, <laughs> hey, anytime you guys want to come back, I would love to sit here and talk to you about Yeah. Um, but before you leave, I have to ask, which one of you was responsible for the, uh, did I write it down verbatim? White is Snow White's ass? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Darren's line. That was me. That was me. That what was me. Hell, man? <laughs> You know, we, the funny part is, and it's funny you brought up the tailpipe too, when we were writing that scene, so that scene, we had a different version of that scene. And again, COVID and all the, we sort of took as much advantage as we could every time we had, we did get shut down. It was like, okay, well, how can we make this better? How can we, so we were, when that scene was, the final version of that scene was written. We were already shooting. And uh, so literally as we would turn pages in our meter was we've got to make, well, we try to make each other laugh and then make Michael laugh. And at that time we were working with our editor, uh, Randy uh, phenomenal. And this guy, you know, worked on a a Texas chainsaw two Chucky's, a Halloween, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting one, uh, a Hellraiser. This guy's got like, you know, lineage and horror that goes. Like, so we w- would literally just try to make them laugh. And if we couldn't get, a, so the teeth came out of, you know, we were like, oh, how can we just absolutely get them to squirm? We're trying to get, we want the audience to squirm. So then that's, we came up with the teeth and all piling out and all of that. And so it was just, you know, and so as soon as we, they read those pages and we read it over the phone, we were doing everything over Zoom, you know, they were just, they would laugh. Yeah, I think we actually cut it. I think there were more jokes than that. Yeah. And so the (laughs) whitest Snow White's ass cheeks was was literally, it was, there was more, there was more, (laughs) yeah. And it was just, can I get them to laugh? Can I get a reaction? And as soon as they read it, they were like, oh my God, white is Snow White's white's ass cheeks what the fuck and i was like okay good we landed uh we 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 got a good one there yeah the trick there though is who's saying that line and again if we didn't have a like drug addled but the way the bag was i mean it was a a good good visual bit payoff as well yeah yeah exactly congratulations guys i mean you really killed it and as far as jaded horror fans uh, I think the highest praise you can get is when people are like, there's no reason this movie should be this good, which is, again, <laughs> shout out to Phil Spataro, one of the most weathered, bitter horror fans I've ever met. Oh, and, that's um, a uh, high compliment, man. Seriously, that's kind of, that's pretty much the best compliment we can get. You know, that, but, <laughs> yeah. You I know. mean, it's noteworthy when that motherfucker reaches out it's and is true. like, hey, check this one out. You know, and it's like, <laughs> okay. I love um, it. I love it. Like, Fuck man, you guys got to come back. I seriously, I, Dude, I love, I, you, man. Yeah. love talking to screenwriters because I really think you two are the glue that made this thing work. I mean, obviously it wouldn't have happened if you didn't write it, but yeah. the tight on point, like there's a clear line. We, and again, for people who haven't 
watched it yet, go watch it because we didn't even talk about the third act, which yeah. is yeah. so go man. see the movie. Which yeah. honestly, I was kind of shocked to see it's playing in the theaters today. Is that right? Do you guys know no. about that? Yeah, no, I didn't no, fact check him. I didn't fact check him before he said that. That's on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it comes out fourteen. It, it, it comes out nine fourteen, uh, and uh, we're up to. We're right now. It, it comes out worldwide, which is really exciting. We're in like forty-one countries, all starting uh-huh. on nine fourteen. Uh, and we, and we, purp- we purposely made sure it was 666 theaters. <laughs> uh, <opening> <laughs> I, yeah, well, I think we're... we want, we, we want you know we want some of the religious folk, but we also want the devil worshippers. Yeah, yeah, we want both. Their money but counts, it, just to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something in there for everybody. <laughs> it, it's it's a, uh, we're on about I think it's close to 1,500 screens on 914, oh. and we are. It's a limited run but we keep getting extended so there's some territories i saw yesterday we're up to 10 days now some places are like three or four days so we've been doing we've been uh tickets have been on pre-sale for the last couple weeks and they've we've been selling a good amount of tickets and some theaters Mm -hmm. are sold out and so the better we do in pre-sale the more shots we're gonna get um in the theater uh so it's just yeah, it's really really exciting. So retaliatorsmovie.com. If you go to retaliatorsmovie.com, wherever you're at, it geolocates you. It'll show you where uh, the nearest theaters are. And we're in Regal and uh, uh, yeah, then, Lemley, all, yeah, all yeah, sorts yeah, of different ones. Harkins. And if you guys want to check us out, I uh, I have a page on uh, Pornhub. I am. Hell uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. You don't want to visit that page. Trust me. Uh, please, uh, donations. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> don't, don't seek it out. I Scream promise Laker, you. Uh, <laughs> All right, and then now, we're, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So the Retaliators, that's rated R, right? You saw we don't the movie. Have- we don't have an MPA. Yeah, yeah, we don't have an official yeah. rating, so it's I think it's N, it's NR, but yeah, yeah. no, this is it's, it's, uh, a, it's a hard R. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Would you calm down over there? No, I'm because just I'm just making sure you're not going to do the invitation to us and release a PG-13 movie and then hit VOD oh, with an there's R. There's no way. I mean, well, there probably is a way. There, you know, where, I don't where, know. Where, there's, where there's a censorship, there's a way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know how you do. The, they've censored some. Pretty cr- I mean, they censored Goodfellas. You know? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you'd se- you do a PG thirteen of the third act. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's possible. Butchered, yeah, no, it's gonna air on Pornhub once you're theatrical. Then, there you so, go. There so, you go. There. I don't know. We we could turn this into a faith film pretty easily. You know, I I, I think uh, I think we could get go this. the other direction. Release VOD PG version. Way. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. The Hallmark version. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah we'll just send like all it. the nipples and everything. Put crucifixes on the yeah. nipples, uh, yeah. you know, digitizing them. Man, right. y'all are the best. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, being the type of guest that heard the show and then actually wanted to be on it. You already knew the oh. mess you were getting into. So yeah, hell yeah. Oh no, we were de- when we heard your uh, you, you guys talking about it. Uh, oh, so funny, I think dude. it was Mike it. Michael that sent it to. I'm trying to remember how we found it. Uh, either he sent it to us or we sent it to him, but we, we were just dying. We love, we just love that you were, you just seem to really be getting the, that next layer deep understanding the humor and, and, yeah. uh, 
just listening to you guys laugh at the dialogue like we were we were cracking up because that's what we were going for we were trying to just just go for well, we want an exciting roller coaster type film, but you're never sure if that humor yeah that translates sort of like and is through, translate, you know? and then people think, oh, that's just stupid or something. You're like, yeah. well, you're not, you know, you just gotta go gotta for have it. Fun with it. You know, hundred percent. That's what you did. That's what we want everybody to do on the 14th. All these things. You're right. playing Harkins. Oh, hitting that Arizona market. Oh my yeah. God! Harkins, we're we're in a bunch of different chains. Yeah, Harkins. Uh, I don't remember all uh, the names now. Yeah, uh, Cinemark, Cinemark, um, Lemley, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're playing both of our favorite like mall theaters, basically, which I think is fantastic. I would love. God, we gotta go. We gotta go to the opening, to, and we'll report back to you if we have any babies in the theater, which is a staple of oh. uh, the Bay Area. Okay. Oh, I do. I, I just went and saw Beast, and um, I saw just like parents walking their kids, in, and me and my buddy were like, "Oh, well, they're they're going to be traumatized for the rest of their life after yeah, this. This yeah. is awesome. We get to see them the before and the after of this child's trauma from cinema." You know, it's dude, great. they'd be traumatized if their children didn't get to see Idris Elba beat up a lion. So dude, they did right. the right thing. Also, was, when yeah, we saw Beast. So there many were families. For sure. There were we saw it. so many babies for that movie. I thought it was for a beast. nature documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of kids. Oh. <laughs> All right. I Don't love you guys. Your I'm not saying that. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll report back. I'm definitely going to drag people I, out there. Yeah. Cool, please, please drag people out. And yeah, the, the uh, we we've seen it with an audience and the third act with an audience is just, I can't, I don't know how to explain it, how thrilling it was. I mean, people yelling and, and laughing and, and cheering. And there was a lot, it was really, really uh, exciting to, yeah. to watch with an audience. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>